I'm Richard Verberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 215, for the weekend starting 20 April 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, what's up with Google's messaging strategy? Not much, it seems. Also this week, OpenServe bolsters fiber to 200 megs a second. More South Africans exposed in Facebook data scandal and ZTE's fight with the U.S. government. Also, we're going to be talking about a new image compression format from the guys who made JPEG. Nice. It's Friday. That means, of course, it's time to talk all things tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Uh, we are recording over the internet using a peer.in again. Uh, and uh, I love this platform, by the way. It's very good. Oh, fantastic. And it's so seamless. And just, yeah, there's no issues. It's like you just open the browser and it's there and, and it's, it's working. There. Just works. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So there's lots to talk about today. Uh, shall we jump in, though, first of all, with our quiz? Do you want to do the first question? Certainly, the first question in this week's quiz. According to Facebook, how many South Africans have now possibly been exposed to the data scandal involving Cambridge Analytica? And we'll we'll talk- numbers to the closest 10,000. And we'll talk about that in the show. FMB this week launched a new mobile bank account aimed at the unbanked and underbanked. What is it called? Third question. Google this week said it would stop active development of which smartphone messaging app after failing to achieve the desired number of downloads? And tough new data protection rules are being introduced in the EU next month. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg knows all about those. What are the regulations called? And the final question. SpaceX this week launched a new spacecraft for NASA that will search for extrasolar planets. What is the spacecraft called? And uh, luckily, that was a successful launch by uh, SpaceX, unlike the Facebook launch uh, about two years ago. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, that new spacecraft uh, uncovers. It's um, quite powerful, apparently, and uh, is going planet hunting. So looking forward to that. A reminder, if you're listening to the show live today, you can participate in the show. Uh, send us a, a WhatsApp voice note on 71 That's 71 Double one. Send us a voice note. Uh, tell us what you're thinking. Uh, do you have a tech pick this week? Uh, and what do you think of what we're talking about today? We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you. And before we jump into the news, I do. My office is currently surrounded by uh, builders, um, so there may be some uh, knocking and, and uh, flying bricks occasionally. Uh, but hopefully, oh, it doesn't. Uh, of flying bricks, Duncan. Yeah, no, indeed. I'll duck. I'll <laughs> duck. Um, but uh, there may be a little bit of background noise in today's um, recording. So apologies about that. So, um, did you see the story on The Verge this morning, Rechart, about Google's messaging uh, 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 platform, its new platform, its attempt to try and do something in the messaging space? Um, it's effectively announced that it's uh, stopping um, active development of Allo. Do you remember Allo? They launched about... I remember. Never used it. Never kind of... I never got into it, for, and it just never appealed to me. I think that's uh, the case for most people. Um, I certainly downloaded it and had a look at it and played yeah. with it for a week or two, and then uh, forgot about it. And then, I'm, you know, a few months later, oh, it's still installed on my phone, and then I uninstalled it, and I never used it again. Uh, that was their attempt to take on WhatsApp, and it was a complete failure. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about uh, Hangouts other other day too. It really mm. seems like Google has kind of lost its focus for what it's trying to do with. I mean, I thought Hangouts was one of my favorite platforms for a very long time. And now it's like you've shown, it's spam infested 
Um, and they need to, yeah, they need to look at that because everybody's on Google and it makes sense for them to have a really solid messaging app. For sure. I've ditched Hangouts um, a month ago now and I don't miss it. Uh, I, I don't have as many issues with it. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of, lot less people are using it now. I mean, there's only one or two people that I actually chat with uh, yeah. on Hangouts. The thing is, Google used to have a perfectly good messaging app called Google Chat. Yes. And uh, it um, it was great. It was very basic, very simple. Um, there were um, uh, apps available for for PC. Uh, it worked fine on your phone. Uh, it was great for 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 quick communication without any. And I think people liked it because it didn't have anything extraneous about it. It wasn't full of uh, like Facebook Messenger, full of all sorts of stuff that you'd never want and will never use. And it was a small, lightweight client. And then they ditched that for Hangouts. And Hangouts became a, um, an, a plug-in for the Chrome web browser rather than a native app on Windows and Mac. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't like that, but I, I persisted with it. I carried on using it because I still had quite a lot of people who used the platform or the old Google Chat who migrated across to Hangouts. Yeah. But I've seen that number slowly dwindling. Um and uh, while there's still a chat functionality built into Gmail, um, I, I don't, I, I don't hardly get any messages on there anymore, unless they're, uh, unless they're from spammers. Yeah, fortunately, I don't have a spam issue. But like I said, yeah, unless somebody's on Gmail and you know the other, because nobody, I don't know anybody who's got the app installed. So unless they've logged into Gmail, you know, I'm not going to be able to chat with them because they just moved off that platform. I, in fact, I find a lot more people using Facebook Messenger these days. Oh, do you? Okay. People on Facebook, which is weird. Like they just drop me messages on there as a normal text platform, which is, I guess, it's interesting because, or it's good because everybody is on Facebook already. Yes, everybody that I know. Um, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's not in lieu of Google's amazing chat function that we had a few years ago. Yeah. So now they're coming back with a new platform, and uh, uh, according to The Verge, which broke the story. Um, they, they're working with operators around the world as on a replacement to SMS. Uh, so, in other words, they, they want this new app to, um, to, in effect, be a replacement for SMS. There won't be any SMS charges unless the operator decides to impose charges, which I don't think is going to fly. Um, and so they're having another go. It's integrated in sort of an operator level. Um, but according to The Verge, there won't be any encryption in it. Which pointless, I think, in with, today's age. Yeah, with, without encryption, are you really get one again, going to want to use it as your default messaging app? Mm. Yeah, I exactly. I don't think yeah. so. I mean, SM- and then why would you want to move away from SMS? Because that's the whole point. SMS is open and unencrypted and expensive. Yes. Where data digital mess or data based message uh, with an encrypted based system like WhatsApp. I mean, that's why they are so powerful with their desktop app. I mean, that's another one I use a lot, a lot more than I use Google Hangouts. I've, I've, I do most of my communication on WhatsApp now, um, and a lot of it I do at a desktop because the app works. I mean, it's very basic, but it's, it's, it works. And everybody's got it installed. I think that's also the key thing. With, with, with Google Chat back in the day, a lot of people had access to it and a lot of people use it because it was one of the first cross-platform chats, uh, chat, fun, chat, uh, chat apps yes. uh, at the time. And but now def- with WhatsApp, now that everybody's got WhatsApp installed, it really is because everybody's got it installed. It's mm. the best default chat app. It's the network effect. Um, if, if everyone uses it, then you have to use it. And uh, you're right. That used to be, and it's changed over the years. I mean, I used to use an app back in the nineties called ICQ. I don't know if you remember ICQ. Yeah. ICQ was great. Um, I can't remember who developed it. It could have been America online or America online might've bought them at some point. 
Uh, and then it slowly faded away. I don't remember why. I think Google Chat may have killed it. Yeah, that was, but that was also very much tied into the IRC kind of chat functionality. Or was that? No, that was sorry. That was a peer-to-peer chat system. It wasn't a group. based It was chat. a it was a desktop uh, instant messaging platform. I don't know if it ever went to mobile, um, but this was the before the days of smartphones. So IC, yeah, ICQ ICQ was a was an app that you ran. It was available for Windows, I think, for Linux and, and probably Mac yeah. as well. Um, and everyone I knew back then who was using PCs, connected PCs, was it was the it was the WhatsApp back of the ni- back in the 1990s, certainly in the South African market. Yeah, yeah, and it, there was a surprisingly uh, small amount of chat apps around that time too. I mean, that's obviously why they became so popular. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember the South African, there was a South African version of that also launched called QQ. I think it was developed in China or something. But QQ, yeah, that's a Chinese app. That's Tencent. Uh, same people who own WeChat. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, Good times. I can't say I miss those, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Google. I, I don't know. I mean, now that chat has. I mean, back then it was a PC-based thing, uh, oh. and uh, now WhatsApp has come to dominate on mobile. Uh, is there an opportunity for Google to unseat Facebook slash WhatsApp in in mobile instant messaging? Or has that horse, that horse already bolted? Is WhatsApp going to be the dominant platform going forward? I think there's always an opportunity for disruption. I mean, there's always an opportunity for a new company to develop something that everybody goes, wow, I want this. And it becomes a trend and it either stays there or it kind of fades away. But the thing is, and why WhatsApp has gotten away with it uh, up till now, because, they, well, the reason why they got on all the phones is because of their cross-platform capabilities. You know, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're Android or iPhone, you're going to have WhatsApp. Yes. I think Google's, Google's got a, a more difficult time, or it's going to have a more difficult time in getting it on all platforms simply because they are, you know, the Google, the Android, that is their main platform. So from an Android point of view, certainly no problem. All their phones could have a messaging app uh, of theirs. But you're going to have a harder time to convince other phone users, like the iPhone mm. or iPhone users, to install another app to chat with. Yeah, certainly. I think that uh, you're right. That Android um, dominance in the smartphone market is is their strongest play here, and the fact that something like eighty two or eighty five percent of all smartphones in the world are running Android um, puts them in a very strong position to be able to force something onto consumers. Um, but do consumers want to have to have something forced onto? WhatsApp was never forced onto consumers. Everyone voluntarily downloaded it. Because it was cross-platform again. You could chat to anybody on any platform on any device. Mm. That was the, that was the appeal. Yeah. So I'm I'm not convinced about this uh, this new attempt to come into the space. Um, they they really have made a mess of their uh, of their chat of the instant messaging space, haven't they? Um, it was theirs to own, if you think about it, back uh, back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. Google Chat predominate, was predominant. Um, and it slipped. And they, I think they made a bad mistake with Hangouts. Um, Hangouts is, I mean, uh, we've done some experimentation with Hangouts a video on YouTube. And that aspect of it is excellent. Um, but as a, as, a, as a chat app, it's, um, I don't know, it's... Uh, I don't, also don't know if it's secure as uh, WhatsApp and Signal and Telegram. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a thing too. You know, we don't mm. always want to consolidate our tech. We don't always want a all-in-one platform that does everything in one app. Mm. Uh, 
we want, you know, if you want a really strong, and this is what WhatsApp did right. They, they did one thing very well, and that's let people communicate via text using data, not SMS. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Functions of encryption stuff that came later was an evolution of that. Um, and if, if Google kept it separately, I'm sure they would have had a much stronger following or, or would have grown that following because people knew what they were getting into. It's, it's a single app that does one thing very well. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. So I'm just having a look at my smartphone here to see what uh, messaging apps I have installed. Obviously, I have the SMS app that comes with Android. Yeah. I'm using WhatsApp, of course, Telegram, yeah. uh, Facebook Messenger Lite, Signal, and Skype. Which ones do you have on your phone, Rachel? I have all of those. Telegram is probably the newest one that I've started using most recently. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really WhatsApp. And I don't actually use uh, Apple's message anymore. Um, I message. I, very, I miss. I use it very rarely. WhatsApp is um, the predominant app in my life right now, the communication app. That's because uh, iMessage is not cross-platform, right? You can't uh, if you if you're using iMessage, you can't talk to someone on Android. I mean, that's that's also why why Facebook made the clever move, in my opinion, to move their messaging app separately. Um, obviously, it was a bit controversial at the time because people didn't want to have another. You know, it almost went in reverse for them. They extracted the messaging app from their yeah. Facebook platform. Because they wanted to achieve the same thing, and uh, I think you know, it's having mm. something that you can run essentially as a standalone. Although we know Facebook isn't really a standalone kind of world, um, but yeah, that's why I find a lot more people. That's why a lot of people, more people are talking to me on Messenger. I think because it's become that that alternative platform, especially for the Facebook community. Yes. By the way, pro tip: I know you've recently moved to Android. Uh, don't use the full me- Messenger app. Use the Lite version. It's much better. The Lite version, yes, yes. I did install that, and it is running beautifully. Yeah, yeah, much smaller, much faster, without all the the, the extraneous crap that you don't want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I do love you for those things. But I do think that uh, I do think that Google has a major, major. Uh, task ahead of it if it wants to to get back into the space because it's very clear that uh, Google Allo, which is also a terrible name, um, was it has been a complete failure. Yeah, yeah, and they've got the user base. I mean, it, they shouldn't have such a difficult time to get a really good messaging app out there. Yeah, it's a very concept. Connect two devices or maybe more and let them chat to each other. Yeah, I think another problem Google has is that it's it's getting a reputation for launching things and then pulling the plug on them. Um, and I think consumers are starting to think, well, actually, uh, why should I start using a Google product? Because there's a good chance that Google is just simply going to pull the plug on it if uh, if it doesn't reach a critical mass. And they've done it so many times with so many products now. Um, and a few really good ones that uh, I can't even remember the name, but there was a few very early, very early on when they started experimenting with uh, their beta labs and those things that they mm. that they can. Yeah, I mean they've they've canned they even canned a social network. Remember Orkut? Oh yeah, Google Orkut. I remember getting on that at one stage. It was huge in Brazil, uh, and it never took off. Really, took off elsewhere in the world. And that was their attempt, their first attempt to take on Facebook. Um, that didn't work out. So what did they do? They pulled the plug on it. They then, then launched Google Plus, which is kind of limping along, um, yeah. not really going anywhere. Um, I don't, I'm not sure Google knows what to do with Google Plus. Actually, um, possibly the thing. I mean, it's just. It, it seems like it's just. It's kind of an addendum. It does, yeah. I mean, we as Tech Central post uh, our stories on Google Plus, but um, well, that's obviously know. good for search engines too because they will prioritize, they will give preference to their own platform. So that's, that's my thinking. We should probably still keep posting there because it's Google, right? Um, yeah. And uh, if we're putting our stuff on Google Plus, maybe it's getting getting a priority in the search engine. But I don't know. I well, don't I'm, sure, know. I'm sure it'll help. I'm sure it'll certainly mm-hmm. assist with that ranking. Yeah. 
But I don't have, I don't have, they, they think it's as deep into the other social media platforms. I just don't have access to hmm. but, but beyond um, posting stuff on Google+, I don't use it at all. Yeah, no, neither do I. It's just a Google search engine, really. Yeah. What social networks do you use? I, I mean, I'm on, on Facebook and Twitter. I think that's about it, really. Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Oh, of course, Instagram, which I don't Instagram. use as much as I used to. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, social media. I've always been a bit of a voyeur. You know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not one of those guys that post thousands of things every mm. month. Uh, my post count is usually pretty low. But it, I mean, with the kind of work that I do, I use it for research. I use it to see what's the trends. I see what other people are doing. Uh, for Instagram, it's obviously nice to kind of just see visual photographs of people, what they take, where they go. Mm. But we are certainly getting to a point where I think less is more. We, for the last decade or so, we've been bombarded with new tech and really cool apps and the, the app generation to begin with. You know, everything kind of just changed from there. Yeah. We are getting to a point where I think we are getting a bit uh, fatigued with everything that gets thrown at us and we are wanting a little bit less. You know, give us the same functionality, but you know, don't give me 200 things, 200 apps or 200 various versions of something. Mm. Make it simple and easy. Mm. So, yeah, 71 Send us a WhatsApp voice note and tell us uh, what you think of Google's chances in the chat messaging space. Um, have they left it too late? Uh, can they redeem themselves? Uh, or has Facebook won the war? It certainly looks like Facebook's won the war to me. Oh, yeah. And, and Google, I think Google also suffers from the thing where they, they are so big. And there's so many projects and programs and things running in that company. It's inevitable that you know, they're not going to be able to focus on everything. Mm. And they are going to be trying a lot of things. Maybe we're just seeing a higher failure rate because they are producing so many new things. And some things are going to stick and some things aren't. Yeah. At the expense of us putting in our time to kind of get to know these apps and wanting to use them mm. or not. But with that sort of strategy, though, you end up as a consumer feeling like a bit of a lab rat. And, mm. uh, you know, they pull up, you start using a product and then the next thing you know, Google says, actually, we're not going to develop this anymore. And you kind of feel, well, uh, hard done by. And it's, oh, okay, well, then I won't use your next app that you come up with because we might just pull the plug on that too. Yeah, or well, wait and see if it has a critical uptake. I guess the only reason for me to, to really want to experiment with anything new that's coming out is firstly to reserve my username. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> you know, just, to, you know, just to kind of see what the hype is about. As early adopters, that's what we do. Mm. Uh, I guess if we don't have as much, we'll also be saying, oh, where's all the new innovation? I think it's, 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 I guess there's a balance. But with Google, we've just seen that track record of uh, they develop and close, develop and close. Yeah. They throw it open. They give it, make it open source or something. And I don't know. There's, I, I guess there's probably more longevity that we want to see out of these things. Mm. Yeah. We'll, we'll be watching uh, this new Google messaging uh, platform with some, some interest. I wonder if the local operators have been part of the discussions with Google. Um, Interesting to find out. Look, if anybody's going to get it right, it'll be Google, right? Well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exactly have a, a great track record of success. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We were just speaking about it. <laughs> so, uh, OpenServe, 200 megabit per second fiber. Um, are we excited? Mm, I want to be, and yes, I am. But I guess, sadly, because we have fiber now and... Incremental speeds like that isn't really a bigger appeal as what it used to be. I mean, it's nice to have, mm. but it's not a, you know, the benefit you get from a hundred to a 200 megabit per second line. I mean, the benefit from a 200 megabit to a gigabit, it's, you know, there's, I still can't really recommend that full gigabit because yes, it's fantastic, but for the amount of money you pay in the down and the, and the throughput you actually get at the end of the day and the kind of stuff you can download, 
anecdotal, I guess. Says the man with a one gigabit per second connection. Only for a few more days. It's oh, no. my first at the end of the month. I think going back down is going to be going to be much more noticeable than stepping up, right? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but, but again, that's why I was saying I, I've been thinking about the last few days when I was playing with the fiber and nothing that I'm doing on a day-to-day kind of journey is requiring anything more than 100 meg or 50 meg fiber. Yeah, yeah. I can I can wait five minutes for a, a big installer file to download if it's a if it's a gig file or ten minutes, you know, because mm. fiber is that quick. The difference between a five minute and a two minute, you can argue, is you know, a download is is again negligible if depending on what you want and how many people you have in your network. Yeah, but yeah. it's fantastic to have the option. I mean, two hundred meg again yeah. as services increase, as service speeds increase around the world and locally, every step is going to help. Mm. And I'm not going to complain about that because we've been yearning for this kind of fiber for so long. It does seem a bit me too, though, after Vumitel launched 200 meg fiber last year. Um, I think it was in August or somewhere around there. Um, and I'm on a 200 meg connection now. Um, I must say I quite like it. <laughs> it, it but, I mean, the, but the difference between that and your 100 meg, do you really, do you, you know, on an ongoing day-to-day basis, does it really affect you? No, not really on the downloads. But on the uploads, uh, and I dump a lot of stuff in the cloud, it's actually quite a bit faster, and uh, I like that. Uh, I mean, when we finish uh, recording the show, I will dump the show onto Google Drive, and uh, it'll it'll upload in about two two seconds. Quicker than transferring it via USB. Oh, support. much quicker, much quicker. Which is a remarkable. You also have a 200 meg up as well, then. I have 200 meg up and 200 meg down in my office, yes. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Celsius 1 gigabit is only got a uh, 1 gigabit um, package, only has a 100 meg up. Yeah, and this new OpenServe plan is also 100 meg up and 200 meg down. Um, they, they, they've got a weird, um, deci- they took a weird decision at Telcom where the upload speed would be exactly half the download speed. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that was. I prefer a symmetrical connection, I must, I must yeah. say. Yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. Mm. The pricing on this uh, um, on on this new two hundred meg OpenServe uh, um, product is also not very good. Um, I was looking at uh, comparing it on on Cool Ideas, uh, which is a um, ISP based here in Johannesburg, and uh, their uh, a Vumatel two hundred meg symmetrical plan is around fifteen hundred rand a month versus. Uh, and that's for uncapped, unshaped broadband. And the equivalent plan on OpenServe with 200 down and 100 up is 2,500 rand, so 1,000 rand a month more. So it would suggest that OpenServe's pricing is a bit out of kilter with the competition as well. So I can't see a huge take-up for these services. Yeah, Not at 2,500 rand a month. It's very expensive. No, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Unless, they're, unless they're targeting businesses, but again, it doesn't make sense. They would be so they're still more expensive. They are targeting businesses. Um but you're right, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, they are targeting businesses as well, and maybe that's what they're going for here. Uh, but but it's, it's being pitched as a home product. Um, certainly, Cool Ideas has it advertised on their website as a as a home product. Um, so I, I, I do think open source pricing is a little bit out of kilter with the rest of the market with the other fiber providers. Um, perhaps we shouldn't be too surprised given this is telecom, but. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there needs to be some downward price adjustments in telecom fiber. Just looking at the uh, at the price comparisons between Vumatel and some of the other fiber providers and, and OpenServe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, we're in a good position where we, we we can look at these and still choose. You know, it's fantastic to be able to choose your provider based on the pricing. You know, you can change if they were cheaper. Quick decision, just to change and do it. You know, and that's a benefit or the beauty of of again of having this beautiful open, uh, the fiber. Yeah. Fiber. Uh, Unless you only have open serve fiber, in which case uh, you, you, yeah, sorry you, for you. you're stuck with that. Um, uh, there isn't a huge amount of duplication of fiber. I don't know too many homes that have both uh, open serve and Vumatel, for example. Um, I'm sure those home, homes exist. 
but I think you find it in a lot of cases, uh, like, like I had it at my home. I live in a in a housing uh, complex, and um, and the uh, first provider that came was Vumatel, and uh, and it was installed. OpenServe came along a month later, and uh, the body corporate said, "Not a chance of you digging this place up again." Yeah, exactly. But you you also had the better option. I mean. You know, you, you want to go with the with the provider that's going to give you that kind of open ended. For point. now, for now, Vuma is a better option. Who knows in future? I mean, telecom might say, "Well, we're going to cut fiber prices by seventy percent," and then suddenly they're the most attractive in the market. Um, uh, but that's probably not likely to happen anytime soon. Let's be honest. No, no probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, I was very much in favor of um, of them digging up again um, because then there'd be two infrastructure providers and OpenServe was willing to do it. Um, and um, so I was I was all, all for it. But uh, unfortunately, my neighbors were not uh, of, of the same view. They didn't see the same benefits as you do. But they, they, they'd just been through a month of, uh, of driveways being dug up and all the rest of it. So uh, the prospect, I think, of, of them being dug up all over again, just yeah. so another fiber provider come in, wasn't, wasn't that great. Unfortunately, because I would have preferred an infrastructure competition, given that there were two providers yeah. willing to do it. I think OpenServe was crazy to want to do it. Um, because yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense why you'd want to replicate um, in an existing. I mean, yes, it makes business sense if, if you can afford it and can, you know, you can install it and let mm-hmm. that layout sit there after the capital outlay sit there. But I would. Uh, there must be a, 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 a better way for housing estates to do this. Whether they install their own fiber internally and then just have it hooked up on the outside of the the property to whichever fiber provider they want. That also seems like a kind of a yeah. better. You own the infrastructure. Yes. But, you're going to pay for that, you know. I think some places have done that actually, um, and, and it does make sense to do that because it puts you as the consumer in a much stronger position. Now that in my housing complex we've got uh, only Vumatel, obviously Telcom can't uh, can't put a box at the gate and connect to the Vuma fiber because it's Vuma's property, so that's yeah. just yeah. not going to happen. Um, but it's early days in this whole thing. Uh, no doubt, regulations are going to come down the line telling these operators what they can and can't do, etc. But it's still exciting times, and it's the rollout uh, the rollout of fiber is still continuing apace. There's no sign of any slowdown. So, uh, um, and a lot of people are still not connected to fiber. So there's a lot of work still to do. Well, there's a massive industry still, and mm. I get so excited speaking to people that are not on fiber. And if I, if I look at the amount of people I've managed to convert, and, and I do it because I've got so much passion for for the technology that we have available, and everybody's raved about it because it changes your life. It does. Changes your life. If it you're does. I can't. I can't. Just can't imagine. I've been on fiber now for about eighteen months. I cannot imagine going back to ADSL. I think I'd, I'd, I'd go mad. I'd have to move house. Yeah, I've been. I've been looking for places for. I'm moving soon again. And uh, my first, um, the first thing I look at it is there fiber in that house. If it's not, I move on. No matter what price or <laughs> you know where the house is, yeah. fiber is the thing that you want. Fortunately, every place with you know in the areas that I'm looking. All connected, and that's what I'm looking at. Yes, so. <laughs> yeah, no, if, absolutely. If I was in, you know, if I was house house hunting at the moment as well, it would be top of my list. Has it got fiber? Sorry, no, no, not interested. Not interested. Doesn't matter how <laughs> good sure. the what, how good the price is, how wonderful the house is. I'm not getting it if there's no fiber. Yeah, yeah. I'm not waiting for fiber again. That's for sure. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I mean, just remember back to those days of, of waiting and, and hearing that uh, the service provider was coming to your neighborhood and uh, getting excited. And imagine having to go all the way back to ADSL and, and starting to wonder again, when might a fiber provider be coming to me? Oh, horrible. I think I'd rather quit the internet than wait again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
for our podcast listeners, uh, we need to take a quick ad break. For our live listeners, we will be back right now. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechot? Oh, Duncan. So, um, probably not a huge amount to say on this subject, but Facebook put out a, another statement this week uh, saying that uh, more South Africans than they had originally disclosed had been affected or potentially affected by the Cambridge Analytica situation. Uh, the figure, the new figure, is an amount of 96,121, which was up from just under 60,000 previously. I think it was 59,777, if I recall correctly. So, a jump of, if my math is correct, around 45,000, no, 35,000. Um, and so this, and they also reduced the number of, of people who actually installed the offending app that was developed by their professor, Alexander, someone or other, uh, who gave his data to Cambridge Analytica. Uh, that number was reduced from 33 to just 13 South Africans who actually directly installed the app, um, which, which mined their data and their friends' data and then and then hand it over to Cambridge Analytica. Um, but the number of exposed South Africans, and that's obviously South Africans who were friends with people overseas who installed the app, um, is now higher. Mm. Um, we've spoken about this story extensively. Um, I'm not sure there's much more else to say on it. Uh, we've got the GDPR, or the General Data Protection Regulation, coming into effect in Europe next month. And that's not only going to affect Europe, it's going to affect anyone who trades with Europe or deals in Europeans' um, data. And uh, it's going to have a direct bearing on Facebook. Facebook has promised that they're going to uh, to implement and, and, and uh, comply with GDPR, uh, which are pretty tough regulations on data protection in the EU. And it has promised that it's going to roll out those same um, protections worldwide at an unspecified future date. Um, there was a report this morning, I think it could have been on The Verge as well, saying that Facebook has, uh, has however, uh, indicated that everyone else in the world is going to be subject to, um, currently subject to, to, uh, to Irish uh, rules, which um, obviously fall under the EU. Uh, so GDPR will affect Facebook Ireland, where, where, which looks after the, the, the rules and regulations for, or that Facebook has to comply with worldwide. There was, there was a suggestion in this article that um, they're in fact going to be moving uh, that jurisdiction to the U.S. So the rest of the world outside the EU will fall under the U.S. regulations, which are significantly weaker than the EU regulations. Um, so make a, make a solution. It seems like it's just delaying another situation. Yeah, wow. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's... Uh, 
I, I think for, there's a, it was a Bloomberg story, actually. We ran it on Tech Central. Uh, they, are, um, they made the point that, that uh, Facebook must be very concerned about this GDPR. It's very tough regulations. They can be fined, I think, 4% of their global annual turnover for not complying. Um, so that's billions of dollars per infraction. Um, uh, so they, they must be hugely concerned about it. So according to this Bloomberg story, um, we, we are going to now be subject here in South Africa to the, um, to the U.S. rules. Um, the, uh, the information regulator, which is the new um, data protection regulator, which has been created in South Africa and headed up by um, Pansy Tlakula, who used to be at the um, Independent Electoral Commission, um, wrote to Facebook and they responded in a letter in which they disclosed these new numbers. Uh, they didn't say a huge amount that was new, just pointing to um, basically to Facebook's press releases on the issue and Mark Zuckerberg's blog posts. Uh, but yeah, um, the information regulator, I'm not sure how much it can really do in, in this instance and um, how toothless it or how, much, how many teeth it may actually have to be able to enforce anything. Um, but there we go. 96,000 South Africans potentially affected. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much if you wanted them, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I'm glad that we've, we're having these conversations about data and data privacy. For sure. Incredibly important. And I don't think many people have, well, it's not, not a secret that most people don't understand this. And with the conversation around Mark Zuckerberg and the senators themselves, not really, the questions they were asked showed how much even they didn't really understand a lot of things about Facebook. If we can just keep up this momentum, have the conversation, but Facebook also obviously needs to hmm. check itself up and, and, and make sure. Because it's the only one that can really, I guess, pr prove to the internet-based community that this kind of thing can be done legitimately with uh, uh, protecting the user's data. And, and there's still a way to make platform, make money off the platform by doing ads and all those things. Hmm. Um, but it's just, you know, making a secure system to, to not let this kind of info be. Yeah, for sure. You're right. It's, it's very good that we're having these conversations now because um, these companies have been vacuuming up our data and sensitive data, allocation data, all sorts of information. Uh, and um, it's time where there was a conversation about um, what's ethical and, uh, and just how much of this information um, should be kept private. Also, make it transparent and give me, I mean, make it obvious what I'm, what I'm signing into. I, I actually don't mind if Facebook and Google track me and I can look at all that data because I also find it valuable in my own life. And obviously I want it to be anonymized if they, if they do use it for data and tracking like they do with Google Maps. Mm. But I would sign into that if, if give me an opt-in and I would do it because I see value to some of those features and services in my own life. And I'm not too precious about the kind of information that gets put out as a result of it if I opt in and I know that I'm a part of it because it will allow me to opt out as well the day that I do choose to do that. Yeah. I asked a question on, on, on Twitter about a week ago. You know, Twitter has those little polls. I find them quite useful sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I asked, would you be prepared to pay for, face, for an ad-free version of Facebook that doesn't track your data and sell it to advertisers? Um, I'm one of the people who would. I, we, I would be prepared to pay, say, 20, 30 bucks a month to, yeah. to have an ad-free Facebook. 80% of people who responded to that poll, and it was, it was quite a large number. I think it was a couple of hundred respondents. Uh, eighty percent said they are not prepared to pay a cent. That's interesting. Mm. So they obviously the, the, the value they see out of Facebook kind of outweighs the potential. In other data. words, in other words, they prepared to have their data mined and sold to advertisers. In other words, in, in order to, uh, in order to have a free Facebook experience. 
Yeah, look, I certainly don't mind. I've, given the option, I would probably choose to to pay for that as well to have a, a, a cleaner experience. Probably more relevant for me is paying for YouTube not to have those ads because it's irritating having to listen to music and videos and those ads mm-hmm. pop up. So again, there's another another place where paying for a service uh, would mean a lot. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, people people just want access to Facebook, not have to pay for us. I think. Yeah. Uh, my guess is they will they will introduce uh, a paid tier as an experiment. Um, I'd sign up. I'd do it as, as long as it's reasonably priced. I think a hundred rand a month would be too expensive, but maybe twenty thirty bucks a month is reasonable. Yeah, it needs to be it needs to be under fifty bucks. I mean, yeah, if it, if yeah. It, if you start to spend thousands of rands just to have access ad free social media, it's not really worth it. Yeah, and it's not like they're you know they're, they're not making the sort of investments that Netflix makes, for example, in content original mm-hmm. content creation. I mean, this is social network. The content on there is user generated. Yeah, um, yeah. Sure, they've got they've got big expenses and server farms and all the rest of it, but um, the costs the cost per user won't be as high as it would be with Netflix. I mean, if I look at it from the other side, I mean, when, when I do use Facebook advertising, and, the, and it's, it's an incredible platform if you, if you look at what you can do on it and really target the person that is right for your business. But you essentially spend a rand or maybe less on targeting a person. I mean, you can probably get up to a place where you spend cents per ad on people. Hmm. So if, if I can see that value and say, okay, cool, I'm happy to spend five or ten rand just to those ads that target me just to get rid of them, um, that's also where I guess to calculate what that cost would be. Hmm. Well, it's certainly not fifty rand a go. It's certainly not twenty rand a click. It's, it's yeah. a lot less than that. Yeah, I think your uh, ad-free YouTube might be coming in the not too distant future. I remember a couple of months ago, the CEO of YouTube—I've um, forgotten her name—made uh, some remarks at a conference somewhere, saying that YouTube uh, Red, is it called? Yeah. Um, the subscription service is going to be rolled out worldwide. Um, so yeah. I, I would expect to see that in South Africa this year. Fantastic! I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I'd also pay to get rid of the ads on YouTube. I mean, it's so irritating. You're watching a really great video, and next thing you co- you've got to f- forced to watch a, a t- thirty second ad in the yeah. middle of it. And they've ramped it up severely now. I mean, even the music videos, because I'm a big fan of music videos, and I have massive playlists on YouTube that I often listen to and enjoy. But they've become very sneaky. Where they put, they used to have ads only in the beginning of the end, mm. but now they've got ads bang in the middle of a song or at the break just before the chorus. It's oh, that's irritating. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I've. I've started listening a lot, watching a lot less YouTube video, music videos as a result of it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the algorithm and what YouTube is doing, that's probably a, a topic for an entire uh, episode on its own. <laughs> All right. Moving swiftly along, ZTE versus the US. This is an interesting one. The US, uh, I think it was the Commerce Department uh, um, effectively blocking ZTE from using any American technology in its products for a period of seven years. Uh, this uh, it seems to be an extension of this trade war that's escalating between China and the U.S. But in effect, it means ZTE, which obviously is a reasonably sized um, smartphone manufacturer, they make plenty of other products as well, uh, can't use Qualcomm processors, for example. They can't. Um, they might not be able to source Android in future. That's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. I mean, the U.S. is basically. Uh, cut these guys off at the knees. Oh, where does it stop? I mean, again, we're talking about Huawei having difficulty in the US now. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, not a good sign for tech companies based in China. Yeah. I wonder if it'll backfire on the US, though. I mean, is it going to force these com- these Chinese companies maybe to collaborate to build their their own alternative operating system for smart, for smart devices? It's a possibility, I guess. So if they, I mean, they'll probably have to if, if this is if they are if they are blocked from using this operating system, mm. 
I don't know if ZTE has the resources on its own to build build an OS. I mean, Android is 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 so popular because of it's such a well developed platform. It's got the ecosystem. It's got all the apps. It puts them in a very difficult position. I see ZTE this morning was saying that uh, that they are they find this objectionable and that they're going to take this uh, on legal review. Not surprising. The share price tanked. Um, but it's getting ugly out there. I mean, America is really starting to play ugly with Chinese tech companies. Um, yeah, look, and, if, and, and, and once, once that fight goes the other way, I mean, I would argue that when it comes to the tech, uh, China's holding all the cards. You know, if, 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 you, if you break that connection uh, in terms of the tech side from China to the U.S., mm. the U.S. will probably suffer more. Yeah, probably. I mean, if, if China really wanted to get play hardball, they could just say, well, sorry, America, we're not going to supply you with any technology anymore. Yeah. Then, there's no more, right. then there's no more iPhones. There's no more anything. Yeah, that's why I don't understand why they're playing a game like this. There's certainly much better ways of uh, diplomatically uh, you know, figuring these things out between two yeah. nations. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to impact everybody, all the rest of us. Yeah, so. it's ugly nationalism led by Donald Trump, I'm afraid. I think that's that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just taking a quick photo of uh, of the screen. It looks quite cool doing this in a period. <laughs> Smile, yeah. Rehart. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say that's the news this week, but it's actually not all the news this week. Rehart, you wanted to chat about um, the JPEG file format. Apparently, there's a new version coming out that's uh, yeah, so better I, compression. I came across this this week, and it was pretty interesting as, as a photographer and videographer. Um, the JPEG.org organization has announced a, a new version of JPEG or JPEG XS that they are still pushing through to all the regulatory processes and things. But the JPEG XS format was was designed and built specifically for professional movie editing, photography, and virtual reality, augmented reality drones. So what they're trying to do with this format is create, create something that's going to give you much better compression, retain the image quality, whether it is from a, a drone or a VR camera, um, and being able to then obviously quickly share it over uh, the internet. I mean, smaller file sizes transfer quicker with the same kind of quality without any uh, compression loss. Mm -hmm. So from that point of view, I think it's, it's going to be pretty impressive. We don't have any data in terms of real compression and, and what what the actual platform can do. It's all pretty early stages. But you can go read more about it on uh, jpeg.org forward slash jpegxs. I've got some technical information about the format there. But if we're considering, you know, even with self-driving cars, you know, those they take thousands of images a second, um, calculated. Sometimes they upload those if they need to analyze them. So there's definitely a need for you know, us to be able to have images that are much smaller to transfer it quicker. Mm. Having more bandwidth doesn't really solve the problem. You need to be able to get it over quicker um, a physical file size format. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited to see more about this. It's probably going to be a while still before this becomes um, a standard. Uh, but yeah, it's well worth keeping an eye on. And rolled out. You need support in the operating system and everything else, camera makers. I mean, it's a long-term process, right? Yeah. Sure. But look, I mean, it, it should be relatively easy to roll out because it, it'll just be an algorithm. So, you know, all these hardware manufacturers just need to include this in their software. You know, it's just, a, it's just an encryptor. Yeah. Um, another benefit to this is, uh, and one thing that they're punting is um, power consumption. Uh, apparently, this format will require a lot less power to, to create. So, obviously, the, the algorithm won't chew as much power from a device to, to compress the file or to create the file. Which obviously means you know, it, it talks about how they want to move to a place where creating this data and transferring data doesn't really have any overhead on your machine or your, your device. Cool. I'll go and check that out. 
Uh, that's the news this week. Let's move on to our regular features. Our winner this week is uh, Tim White Gunning, the CEO of Web Africa. Um, I'm sure you saw the story this week about uh, about the Advertising Standards Authority banning yeah. uh, banning uh, some of their ads uh, on uh, radio and um, and billboards. There was a billboard outside a school in Cape Town, Trafalgar High School. Uh, and um, there were two complaints that were lodged with the ASA over the phraseology, the phrase used in um, Web Africa's advertising, which is effing fast internet. Uh, if you want to have a laugh, go and read the ASA um, ruling on the on, on the website. Uh, just be warned, it contains very strong language. Um, but um, I thought it was hugely amusing. No matter where you stand in the, in this debate, um, and uh, I've seen views uh, expressing um, support for the Advertising Standards Authority and saying that children need to be protected from from seeing the word effing on billboards uh, to um, to people saying this is ridiculous, this is a dinosaur of an organization, shouldn't exist, and, you know, why are, why are these mother Grundies complaining? So, But wherever you stand in the debate, um, there's no doubt that Web Africa has come out on top here because they've got a huge amount of publicity out of this. <laughs> but, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in the advertising industry is, you know, you have to push the boundaries. And when you get to a point like this and you can produce an ad that gets people talking like this, that's when you know you've hit it with gold. Yeah. I mean, anything worse than, than people talking uh, uh, about you is people not talking about you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they certainly, um, they certainly uh, achieved, they certainly managed to get people talking about this. And I understand that um, Web Africa has got some, uh, has some clever responses coming down the line in the form of future advertising, which uh, I believe is going to be quite amusing. Uh, I, I had a sneak preview of some of it yesterday. <laughs> Watch out for it. Uh, don't want to give away too much. Um, and then our loser this week is IBM for putting out um, disappointing results. Uh, IBM really used to, I mean, they used to dominate the IT industry. Um, they were the IT industry back in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and they really have um, fallen a long way. Uh, and, and poor results this week, missing analysts' uh, forecasts. And their market capitalization has sunk further. Um, and Netflix is now worth more than IBM. Uh, video streaming company uh, that it entertains us in our living rooms is now worth more than the company that used to utterly dominate the IT sector. I really hope IBM doesn't become, I don't think they will, but they shouldn't become, or I hope they don't become a, a Polaroid case study. Or I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so, but they are, they are struggling. They are struggling to make themselves relevant in the new world. Look, obviously, they, they are still massive in the corporate side. They're huge. Not, they're huge. We've not seen any, any, I guess, kind of tech from them. This kind of stuff that everybody wants to see and that, I guess, holds yeah. a sense on a company, making sure that we look at this company saying, these, these guys are ahead of the curve. They're a very big old school company. They're, they're going to plod along. They're not going to go away. Uh, but, um, you know, they're not, they're not the sexy, fast-growing businesses like Apple and Amazon and Google, etc. Um, they're, uh, they're, um, they're a bit sort of belong to the old world. In they still suits. They still suits. They still wear suits. Oh, no, they still suits. Yeah, they still. Yeah. Old people, yeah, right? yeah, for sure. And nothing wrong with that. Um, you can make good money out of it. Uh, but the stock market uh, has, hasn't responded very well to the latest set of numbers. Uh, Rechard, what's your pick this week? So, as I hinted in uh, last week's podcast, I've been playing with this one of a kind first in South Africa MSI note called the MSI GS65 Stealth Thin. 8RF, which is quite a mouthful. You can just call it the GS65. But what I really like about this notebook, uh, and in comparison to the other one I've tested a week before, which was a much bigger uh, HP Omen notebook, this thing is smaller than my MacBook Pro 15-inch. Um, 
and it's got more power under the hood, which is absolutely incredible. One of the things that stand out for me is the, is the IPS display is able to uh, run at 144 hertz, and the blacks are incredibly deep. Um, the picture quality is fantastic. Um, so I've been very impressed from the screen side of uh, screen, screen side of things. Did yes. you say 144 hertz refresh? Yes, that's it. I that's um, it. I have pl- I haven't played with a monitor with refresh that high. What, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Beautiful, battery. smooth battery. It is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I was playing side by side, so I was uh, testing PUBG and Battlefield as those are my two favorite games, um, and comparing it to my other Samsung HP, sorry, my LG HP uh, IPS display that I've got, it's also very high in display. It's it's massive difference in terms of of just what what you experience when you see it and and kind of how it just tickles your eyes if I can put it like that. <laughs> it is really beautiful. Um, like I said, there's deep blacks on the screen too. I mean, they must have spent uh, quite a bit of R and D to get the screen um, in this very small form factor. The bezels are quite small. I'm just going to hold it up to the screen here so you can see, uh, Duncan. But I mean, look at that. You that can is barely, beautiful. You can barely see the bezels, uh, and I'll just switch it on. Now, the other thing that I really like about this is the keyboard. It's a steel series keyboard, so you can see the RGB lighting coming up there. Full mechanical keyboard. It's not a mechanical keyboard. Oh. Uh, the, the keys are very similar to the MacBook keyboard, and that's why I like it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I can appreciate mechanical keys, but I'm not a des- desperate to get, get a mechanical keyboard. For me, it's not really a thing. Um, I've got a much nicer uh, gaming mouse that really helps me with my gaming. But the thing that, that really sets this notebook apart from most other notebooks um, – is the 1070 GeForce 1070 graphics card, which is a really good performing graphics card for a notebook. On a desktop machine, it's a it's kind of a mid range card, but you're not going to get anything better in a desktop machine. Now, considering you know how big a, a, a GTX uh, 1080 is or 1070 is. Yeah, like, I'm just wondering how they shoehorned it into that small frame. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> this this notebook is literally the same size, uh, give or take a few millimeters, as my MacBook, and they've put that processing power in there. It is absolutely incredible. Now, you'll see the vents on the side. They do get hot. This thing, when it's running at full power, blows out a lot of hot air. Um, but that is to be expected. But like Parliament. Sorry, a bit like? Parliament. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're running at full power. Lots of hot air. But at least this thing is more enjoyable to, to, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> How many, it looks like lots of ports on that thing as well. Yeah, there's, there's all the ports you need. Lots of there's US, USB 3, two display ports, uh, Thunderbolt. Uh, Thunderbolt, um, what was that? Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll get that information now. And obviously the 3.5 millimeter audio jacks. It looks, it's got everything you need from a, a gaming notebook. Uh, you can still plug in uh, your external uh, peripherals if you need a bigger monitor or uh, uh, a specific keyboard. But for the last time I was, if I look back 10 years when I was really vested in getting a high-end gaming notebook back in the day, there wasn't really any option. There mm-hmm. wasn't anything that looked good on a, on a, on a corporate desk if you needed high processing performance um, or then if you want to play a game. And this thing really bridges the gap for me. This is the kind of thing that anybody can take into an office. Video editing, um, 3D design, there's, because it's got desktop specs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing you can't do on it. Um, and that is what's really appealing to me, um, cool. the small form factor. And it's it's going for about 40 grand, so it's not a cheap notebook. But if it's power you're after, then uh, certainly worth checking 40 grand out. is not bad if you consider that um, a high-end um, um, Ultrabook is, is going to set you back about the same price, and it's got much lesser specs in it. Exactly. And, and for the first time in, in, in about a decade, I'm looking at looking at going away from a MacBook, looking at moving away from uh, uh yeah, my Apple computer is my main computer. You've already so, moved from uh, from iPhone to Android. Now you're thinking of moving from from MacBook to Windows. Uh, 
Red Hot, Apple's going to give you a call. You, you violated some agreement. <laughs> if they, if they, loyalty goes two ways, huh? <laughs> cool. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to that yeah. uh, laptop if anyone's interested in uh, finding out more about the specs and uh, what it looks like. My pick this week is uh, Yahoo Finance, and I'm picking it mainly because Google, really I'm picking on Google this week, um, has completely screwed up its finance platform in the last few weeks. They've um, retuned the whole thing, and I now find it almost unusable, um, whereas before it was my go-to platform for checking on share price information, graphs, and all that sort of stuff. They've made a hash of it on both desktop and mobile. Um, they've gone for a material design, which looks nice, but... Um, but it, it's difficult to get into the information you need. You know, it no longer seems to have the same powerful graphing tools that it used to have. So I've ditched it and I've gone for Yahoo Finance, which um, is actually better than Google ever was. Um, and uh, I create a, a watch list. I need to watch shares. I watch a bunch of international tech shares. I watch local tech shares and a few other companies. And uh, you can create a fantastic – you have to sign up for a Yahoo account, but um, you, you can, you can uh, create a, a very detailed watch list uh, all on one screen where you can see – all sorts of details like the um, movement of the share during the day, um, key indicators. And, of course, you can click on it and drill down into more detail. There is, yeah. it does seem to be a bit of a bug at the moment in South African shares, though, JSE listed shares, in that um, if you look at a graph longer than six months, uh, there's a problem in the graph. Uh, it doesn't display correctly. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's going to be resolved at some point soon, but uh, there, there is a bug there. But apart from that, um, I re I'm really enjoying Yahoo Finance, and I'm, I'm referring to it at least four or five times a day to see what's going on on the JSE. So um, if you're also a former or a current Google Finance user and you're really annoyed like I am with the redesign, check out Yahoo Finance. It's pretty good. And Rehard, I think that's our show. Apart from the quiz results, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. Let me do the first question. According to Facebook, how many South Africans have now possibly been exposed to the data scandal involving Cambridge Analytica? And we said we'd accept to the closest 10,000 users. And the exact answer is 96121. Hmm, that's a lot of people. Second question. FNB this week launched a new mobile bank account aimed at the unbanked and underbanked. What is it called? The answer is eWallet Extra. And Google this week said it would stop active development of which smartphone messaging app after failing to achieve the desired number of downloads, and that is Google Hello. Fourth question. Tough new data protection rules are being introduced in the EU next month. What are the regulations called? And the answer there is General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. And SpaceX this week launched a new spacecraft for NASA that will search for extrasolar planets. What is the spacecraft called? And it is called TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. Uh, looking forward to seeing the first results of the, of the investigations that that, that that little machine is going to be doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's our show this week. Uh, a reminder, if you uh, want to send us a, a WhatsApp voice note, uh, we can uh, collect them all through the week ahead of our recording on a Friday afternoon. Do send us a message. Was there anything on the show today that interests you that you want to comment on or anything else at all in the tech world? Uh, drop us a WhatsApp voice note, the number 71 and do add it to your contacts on your phone for easy access in future. And that's our show, Rehat. Uh, until next Friday. Um, take care. Next Friday is a holiday, isn't it? We might have to record uh, a day really? earlier next week. That. That's good news. We have a mega long weekend coming up, actually. it's uh, The Monday is not a holiday, but the Tuesday is. So um, I think a lot of people will be making it an extra long weekend. Mm. It's Freedom Day on Friday and Workers' Day on Tuesday. And I suspect, I suspect uh, this country is not going to be very busy on Monday. Yeah, no, but it gives the rest of us uh, lots, of lots of time for gaming, I think. 
Or to catch up on email, in my case. Or to catch up on sleep. <laughs> that too. <laughs> From Rechard and myself, until next week. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.